What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with you on a Saturday night, recapping what was the biggest Saturday of the season, and you know, the highlighter. The highlight of the day was the Big Ten is back, and you know, the two teams that we've got to talk about in the Big Ten are Ohio State and Rutgers. Both came up with pretty big wins on Saturday. So we're going to start there. And, and you know, I didn't get to watch the Rutgers-Penn State game. I don't have Big Ten Plus. Um, and I did not watch Maryland-Michigan, but we know that was a blowout. Um, but I did watch the full Ohio State-Johns Hopkins game. Um, and this is one where Ohio State, like, in the end, they were, they were just better athletes. They just had better athletes at pretty much every single position. The only place that Johns Hopkins had an edge in all game was at the faceoff dot. And you know, going six, 66% with uh, Nowiski uh, there, that didn't even matter. It didn't even matter. Um, Hopkins looked slow. Now, granted, they did have a COVID pause early in, like, preseason practice. So uh, they haven't been together as much as some other Big Ten teams. Uh, Michigan had a pause as well about two, three weeks ago. So um, there are some teams with that. And, granted, it was the first game of the season with a new head coach. So just like any other early season result, Take it kind of with a grain of salt, uh, but this does matter. This was a conference game, and um, you know this is not a non-conference game that they can just kind of say, "Oh, that, what well, that happened." Uh, this is a big game here. This was a big game, um, and I think they're going to play each other twice or whatever. We have the first half of the season schedule out right now, but the second half for Big Ten is not yet. Um, I don't believe. Um, big one for Ohio State, and they showed a lot. Uh, they showed clearly that they were bigger, faster, and stronger than John Hopkins. Um, their midfield was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, Grant Mitchell had a phenomenal game. Had two goals. Jack Myers had a hat trick. Griffin Hughes uh, with three goals, one assist. And then, you know, Trey Leclerc, uh that attack had really all all around day for the Ohio State uh, offense, but certainly that midfield played very well. Uh, Trey Leclerc had was it four points as well to lead the Buckeyes. Big big one for the Buckeyes, and I think you know offensively that's what people are going to focus on is what this offense did. Um, but I think even you know, more so than that, um, and how deep they they were scoring-wise. Um, Trey Leclerc had four goals. Um, got the stat sheet up here right now. Took a while to pull that up. Um, but, you know, I, I think when... Look back at this game. Y- you know what they did offensively. I think the bigger storyline here is how good their defense did. Because that defense 
you look at a guy like Eric Wins, Jeff Hendrick, I mean, they were phenomenal. Um, they did not let Hopkins get many opportunities. And when you look in, you know, in Cage, Skyler, Skyler uh, will hold. You know, I think it was his first or second, maybe third start. Um, and he played really well. Really well in this one, I thought. Um, I thought Josh Kosen played well also for Hopkins. Um, I, he's, I think he was, for Hopkins at least, he was the best defense, <laughs> defender they had. Uh, was Kosen and Cage. And, you know, he's gone against these guys. I mentioned it on Thursday. He's gone against these guys um, for three years straight in practice. And I think they mentioned it multiple times on the broadcast as well. It's like he's gone against these guys. Um, so he was definitely the best guy on defense for Hopkins. But Ohio State's defense just all around, very, very solid, uh, very good all day. Did not let Hopkins get much. Connor Simone, you know, turning things over to Hopkins here. Connor Simone was kind of their energizer bunny um, on the offensive end. He had three goals, one assist. Um, I think his first two were kind of driving from X, you know, getting topside, and uh, was able to put a couple away there. Um, and then I can't remember when his third one came. Um, but, you know, he looked fine. You know, Epstein didn't get much. Uh, Epstein had one goal. Cole Williams uh, moved him to midfield. He had one goal. I thought he played uh, fine. Brett Baskin had one goal as well. Uh, Donegan and Jack Keogh also scored. Um, so you had, you know, for the eight goals they had, you know, you had, was it one, two, three, six goal scores among the eight goals that you had. So, you showed some depth there. I think certainly in the third, they showed kind of what they could do when they got into a rhythm. But Ohio State was just that much better than them, that much more polished than them. Even with that, with missing uh, Anasio and multiple other key guys at the face uh, uh, on that Ohio State team, Anasio at the faceoff dot was obviously uh, the biggest impact. Uh, no loss that they had today uh, with guys being out. But even with that, like Ohio State was just better, more athletic. And it, like, as I said, they they out-athleted Johns Hopkins. Out-athleted them at every single position. And you can just look at the team stats and you can just see that. I mean, they were just better. Just better. Won the ground ball battle. Won the clear, the clearing game. I mean, they did just were that much better. Now moving over to a game which I was not able to get eyes on, but um, you know certainly the box score shows enough here, and um, you know Rutgers taking down Penn State, um, Connor and Colin Coast. Absolutely dominating debut for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, Connor Coast had three goals and four assists for seven points to lead them on the offensive end. Colin Coast had 15 saves, 0.625 save percentage. 
to anchor a Rutgers defense. And they accomplished something that that Rutgers defense accomplished something that was, you know, has not been accomplished since 2018. They held Penn State to single digits. I'll say that again. They held Penn State to single digits. Like, I, I honestly, coming into the U, I didn't think I'd hear that. Penn State was held to single digits. And Rutgers defense did that. 11-9 victory for the Scarlet Knights. I mentioned Coast and how well he played as well. Well, both Coast played well. But uh, Adam Charlambides played just as good. Three goals, one assist for the Scarlet Knights. And then Shane uh, Noblock had two goals as well. This Rutgers team, they have a lot of experience. That showed. That showed very, very much so. And really, I think, you know, when you look at the game, and again, I wasn't able to watch it, but the turning point, you know, from what I've read and from what you can see on the box score, seems to be that coast goal with about three seconds left in the third. I mean, it was pretty back and forth, pretty even throughout the whole game. Um, you know, these teams, I uh, believe, are going to see each other again. I would think, uh, even if not in the regular season, certainly in the playoffs. Um, so this is going to be a game, you know, next time that, uh, you know, we're looking at and seeing, okay, how can Penn State adjust and keep things going? Because Rutgers got hot and, uh, you know, near the end there, and Penn State didn't really have an answer. And, um, you know, at the faceoff dot is, is one thing where, you know, I, you know Gerardo Saley, he went 5 of 10. Still 50%, but 5 of 10. And then you had Jake Glatz, uh, 7 of 13 there. So Penn State did have a, have an edge on at the faceoff position, but Jonathan Dunajo, um, who was one of the guys I've mentioned before, is probably one of the best transfers that no one talked about over the offseason. Coming in from St. John's at the faceoff dot to Rutgers. And um, he goes 11 to 23. That's 48%. Um, again, it's not 50. But when you look at where Rutgers has been at the faceoff dot, where they were last year, I mean, they were like 30-something percent average last year. So to come into the first game of the season and see some improvement there, I think you got to feel good about. Um, there's definitely improvements that can be made all around for both of these teams. Uh, but you've got to feel good about that. And then this defense, you know, outside of Colin Coast with the 15 saves, I mean, you've got to feel good about that, having him there. And I know there was people who did not think he was going to start. Like, there were legitimately people who thought he, he he's not going to get, you know, any clock out of Rutgers. He's just going to be the backup. And... No, that turned out not to be the case. Um, no, I was not of the thought that he wasn't going to play. I thought he was going to come in and start. Um, and if you if you ever watched him up at Lehigh, even though he wasn't the full time starter um, there, I don't believe he was ever like a full time starter. Maybe except for one year. I think it might have been 2018, 2019, one of those two. Uh, you knew what he could do. You saw what he could do, and uh, 
He showed that in the Big Ten today, helping Rutgers with that 11-9 victory. Elsewhere in the Big Ten, I mentioned uh, Maryland and Michigan. They played today as well. I mentioned it was a blowout. Uh, 20-9 victory for Maryland there. Not going to talk about that one much, but 29 victory for Maryland. Dylan Waltz, five goals uh, in the win. Josh Zawada had five points, four goals, one assist for Michigan to lead the way for the Wolverines. Some other games to get to here on this Saturday night. Stony Brook was able to get past Bryant. Um, and this is one where it was tied at 7-7 seven to seven heading into the half. Um, and Stony Brook, you know, a lot was made. And I even mentioned, like, hey, I think this is a really good team. But my question is, what is their defense going to be able to do? And we saw last week, they blew out Sacred Heart. I think it was 20-9 to nine or something like that. Um, and this weekend, you no know, Bryant is a you know is a much better team than Stony Brook. Bryant, I believe, they they come in third in the preseason in the NEC, something around there. But certainly, I've been impressed with Bryant through the first two games, um, even with the loss here. But um, I mean, they looked good early on, and they took I think it was a four-one lead um, at the end of the first. And Stony Brook kind of stormed back and was able to tie the thing at seven heading into the locker room. And um, coming out in the second half, it was Wayne White. Uh, you know, he put Stony Brook up eight to seven with 633 left. And they never really looked back from that. Um, you did see. You did see. Um, Bryant, I think they got one goal because it was White and then Mike McCannell had a goal to make it 9-7. And Bryant got one goal right after that. I cannot remember who it was from. And then after that, it th- that was the last goal they scored in the game. Like after that, it was all Stony Brook. Um, their defense clamped down hard and their offense just, you know, like lightning out of a bottle. Uh, outscored the Bulldogs 7-1 to one in the second half. Ended the game on a five-goal run um, that started with uh, Palinetti's uh, first and only goal of the game, Dylan Palinetti uh, being held to just one goal um, in the game after having six in his uh, opener against uh, Sacred Heart the week prior. Corey Vangehoven led Stony Brook with three goals and one assist. McCannell had a hat trick as well. Wayne White and Matt Anderson each had three points. Uh, White with one goal, two assists. Anderson with two goals and one assist. Uh, Anthony Pamala had 16 saves in cage. Played very, very well. Uh, the best player for Bryant in this game, again, Nathan Liebert. 18 for 26 at the dot. 69%. Uh, absolutely uh, outstanding start from him. He went about 80% last weekend against Providence. Going 69% here again against Stony Brook. Logan McGovern, Bennett uh, Abledon each had two goals for the Bulldogs offense 
as well. And uh, this is a Bulldog team that was without Mark O'Rourke again this week. Um, you know, I think he should probably be back. I he was. I think it was because of COVID protocols he was out. So that's usually two weeks, so ten days, depending on uh, the conference. You know what they're going off of. So he should be back uh, next week. Last game we're really going to dive into here is Virginia and Loyola. The Virginia Cavaliers, you know, they found themselves down 4-1 to one at the end of the first. And a lot of people, if you were following on Twitter, you kind of saw people saying, uh-oh, Loyola, they're getting going quick. They didn't get going fast at all on uh, last weekend when they had come back and beat Richmond in overtime. But they got going really, really fast out of the gate here. And um, Virginia, starting with that second quarter, no, they just went off. Um, went off. And they went on a five-goal run to take a take the lead, a one-goal lead, with 6.31 left in the half. Loyola was able to answer. Evan James had two goals late in the Late in the second, um, Peyton Cormier had a goal in between those two, uh, which made it a seven to six lead heading into the half for Virginia. And Loyola was able, like they hung around. It was it was was never um, a, a foregone conclusion that they weren't going to come back after being up uh, by three goals in the beginning of the game, um, and then having Virginia storm back. Um, and take the lead. You know, Loyola stayed on their heels um, pretty much the entire game. But uh, Virginia was just too much in the end. Um, there was two straight to end the game from Matt Moore and Peyton Cormier, which allowed Virginia kind of to break away once and for all, get a 15-12 to 12 win over the Greyhounds. And again, I mentioned it on Tuesday. I'll mention it again. Virginia, Loyola is one of the best early game, early season series that we've had um, here in recent years. I believe they've been playing against each other for like five, six, seven years now, um, early in the season. Uh, for a lot of people, I hear this a lot. It's like, once Loyola and Virginia have played, I know it's lacrosse season. And, you know, I, I share that sentiment, and I hear that a lot. Um, so, Virginia gets the big one there. Uh, P.D. LaSala, 58% of the dot. Matt Moore with five goals. Uh, Connor Schellenberger had three goals and two assists. Um, again, we're seeing Virginia kind of anybody can step up at any time. Uh, Kevin Lindley had four goals for the Greyhounds. Thought they looked much better on offense, but their defense just could not handle that blistering Virginia offense. Going over some games here, uh, just kind of briefly to end this podcast. Duke, 19,007. I didn't watch this one because the stream would freeze every 10 seconds. Uh, but it was, I, I saw like the first two goals and then the, uh, it, the if, if you know what I'm talking about, LSN, not the best. Um, stream flows. It eventually went to Penn State Cornell from last year. Mess. Um, but Duke gets 
the win there, big day for Michael Sowers and Brennan O'Neill. Uh, Sowers had six points, two goals, four assists. O'Neill had four goals, including a rocket behind the back goal. So Duke gets the ten to nineteen to seven win. Excuse me, over Towson and Sean Nadlin is back. Remember, he was suspended for the first two games um, due to NCAA violations. Um, he is back on the sideline for the Tigers. Some other games to go over here real quick. Alex Simmons had four goals to lead Denver past Marquette, ten to nine. This is one where. You know, Denver was up like eight to one or eight to two or something like that. And Marquette was able to come back. So kudos to them for coming back, but just could not get it done as, you know, Denver was just too much for them there. Uh, but solid game, solid uh, outing for, for, for both teams there, I thought. Um, Air Force and Utah, 10 to nine, overtime victory for the Air Force Falcons. 10 to 9, or uh, Gianni Orlando with the game winner for the Falcons. There, uh, did not watch that one, but was keeping up to it. Kind of had it on second screen there, so wasn't watching it a ton, but just kind of back and forth game there from the Falcons and the Utes. Navy. Starts the second year under Joe Amplo off with a win. 8-5 to five victory over Mount St. Mary's. Spencer Lee's 12 save performance. Um, very, very good game there for Lee's. And really for the entire, um, entire Navy defense. Uh, Jackson Bonitz, the freshman, played very well. Um... And you no, know, the, the the big storyline for me in, in this game was, and I'm gonna go pull up this stat sheet here because, and I was keeping track of it, watching. I watched the majority of this game. I kind of tuned it out once, um, this second uh, second half started, um, turned my attention more to Virginia and Loyola. But I was watching this one for the most part and. You know, the thing that stuck out to me was Navy, and let's get these team stats up here so you see the what the final tally was here. Um, yeah, man, Mount St. Mary's 11 of 21 on clears. That's not good. That's not good. Navy was 21 of 25. Everything else was pretty even, like face-offs, Mount St. Mary's, you know, team face-offs 11 to 7 for Mount St. Mary's, you know, Extra man wasn't really an issue for either team. You know, Navy was two for four. Uh, Mount St. Mary's was Mount St. Mary's was two for two. Turnovers, you know, Navy had twenty three. Mount St. Mary's had twenty one. Saves, you know, Navy with twelve with Lee's there, and then eight there for Mount St. Mary's. Um, but overall, this was a pretty even performance outside of the fact that Mount St. Mary's just could not possess the ball. They could not get the ball past midfield for half of the game. And no, Luke Frankeny had, uh, had one of the goals, but 
Oh, he had he had one goal and two assists to lead them there with three points, but um, it was a uh, pretty. You know, after what we saw from Mount St. Mary's on Tuesday against a depleted Delaware team, you know they were able to get in transition and things like that. Uh, just were not able to do it here against Navy. Um, and again, credit to that Navy defense uh, playing very, very well there, especially Lee's and Cage. And then, as I mentioned, I thought Bo Neitz played very well in his uh, college debut. We also had Jacksonville beat Mercer 12-11. to That one was not streamed. I think you could listen to it on the radio, but whatever. Um, some other scores here I'll just go over real quick here. Uh, Hofstra 13, Sacred Heart 6, Boston U 15, Merrimack 12. Sunday's games. Sunday's games. What do we have coming up on Sunday? At 1, a, 1 p.m., so the time change has been changed again here. Colgate Robert Morris is now at 1 p.m. It was at 11 a.m. It's now at 1 p.m. We have Syracuse and Army at noon. Villanova, Georgetown at 1. St. John's, Providence at 1. And Richmond, Carolina at 2. Big day of Sunday lacrosse on tap. Big day of Saturday lacrosse in the books. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday to recap Sunday's games and uh, maybe preview a couple uh, for Saturday. Again, thank you all for listening. Uh, you, you know what to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, multiple other platforms. LacrosseBucket.com is the website at LacrosseBucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tanner underscore Dimling is my personal. Have a great rest of the Saturday of your Saturday night and uh, enjoy the workouts on Sunday. I know I will.